0: Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software, and that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing, and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast. It's good to be back with you after a few weeks off from the end of our previous season. We are back with season 11, episode one. It's been an eventful month. Everybody have a good uh, break, good good time off. Camille and Ali, our regular hosts with us. Sure. (laughs) Yep, We actually met in person and we're going to talk about that. So that was kind of cool during the break. And uh, we got a guest with us today, Russ. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you. We'll learn more about Russ and what he's got going on and and he'll share some cool stuff with us uh, later in the show. So just a quick overview of the Built On Air podcast. We meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Live show on YouTube. We'd love to have you join us live or watch the uh, broadcast afterwards. And we go through a couple different segments. We always start with our round the basis segment where we talk about what's going on in the Airtable community. And then we'll do a spotlight on Ontario's primary sponsor. And then we'll learn more about Russell Bishop, our guest with us today. And then he will walk through an automate create segment for us on some cool stuff that he's built. And another spotlight on Nanterre. And then Ali Alosa will finish us off with interfaces and some of the new stuff in interfaces. So, with that, we'll get kicked off with our round the bases welcome to all those coming in live. We got another another uh, guest from London, we got a few. We actually ended the segment, uh, our, our last episode um, of last season with a guest from uh, your neck of the woods, Russ. So we're bookending it with uh, okay. another one from from the London area. So always good to have <clears throat> everyone there. So welcome all those joining us live. Good to have you with us. So First, let's talk about the big event. (laughs) We got uh, got our uh, guest, uh, Camille, our host, Camille, sharing us our superpowers. So this is a video that Airtable put together of, um, we're not going to watch it unless, Camille, you really want us to. Uh, And Ali, are you in this as well?
1: Yeah, I am. So it's um, Ali, myself, Chris Dancy and uh, Kavan. Kavan.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so Dare Table, who wants to give a summary of Dare Table?
1: Sure. So uh, Dare Table was a user conference that was put on by Chris Dancy and uh, Ben Green to sort of staples in the Airtable community. Um, they have their own podcast called Off the Record. And this past month, they put on an in-person user conference. Um, Scott, no, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> uh, they put on a, a user conference where we all got to go in person. Um, so Allie, myself, Dan actually saw each other in real life for the first time. We've been on this podcast for years, but you know that was the first time we'd seen each other in person. But there were a lot of great sessions, and this is a follow-up to the 2020 conference that Chris Dancy put on as well. That one was all digital. This one had, you know, a pretty good showing. Airtable representatives were there and they uh, told us to talk on camera and that's how this video came to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was a super fun time. I, and thank you, Chris, if you're watching this and thank you, Ben. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Chris and Ben who put in a ton of time to uh, prepare that. They also announced... What, a year from now, right? May of next year, they're mm-hmm. going to do it again in San Francisco. Yeah. So mark your calendars for San Francisco 2023, and I should be there. Hopefully, you all will be there again. And uh, the,
1: the irony is <laughs> if that's the one I don't go to.
0: Yeah, that's a little closer <laughs> and, to home for you. Yeah, <laughs> The
1: only one in California would be hilarious if that's the one I couldn't make it to. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it was cool. I'm trying to think of some highlights. I mean, it was definitely a, it was, it was a pretty um, intimate group of people. It wasn't a huge number of people, but I think that was cool because you kind of saw some, you know, a lot of the the popular names in the community and just everybody there was just very into Airtable and, and all things Airtable. So it was, kind of cool to geek out a few of us went to dinner um afterwards or well we did everybody kind of went together one of the nights and then after a few of us uh, went to dinner and it's kind of funny like we were at this popular barbecue place in austin and and our table i'm sure was the nerdiest table talking about data optimization and <laughs> What not compared to all the other people there is very crowded.
1: Yeah, it's it's That's what you do. You go to Austin, you eat some barbecue, you talk about coding. Yep. Yeah. Right. Camille, we and I left. Left. right.
2: Camille and I went to an arcade bar on Friday mm-hmm. night. That was really cool. Nice. Yeah, pretty
1: fun. Yeah. Nice. Fun times had by all.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. So if you didn't make it, try to try to plan ahead uh, for next year and get this thing going and kind of the unofficial conference of Airtable and we'll see where it goes from here. But um, really cool, Um, nice, my first time to Austin. So I'd never been to Austin, so that was kind of cool. And um, yeah, big shout out to those all that uh, participated in Airtable for supporting it and putting this video together. So watch this video, get a sense of what's going on there. Um, And that, so yeah, so uh, with that, there's a couple other big announcements for today's show. We'll probably just kind of focus on the big thing since we've been off for a while, we won't get too far into the weeds. So we'll kind of stay high level, but um, there's three or four uh, feature releases from Airtable since we've been gone. So let's go do a run through. This one actually happened in March, but we actually ended the, the previous season, I think just before um, this. So yeah, um, yeah. Anybody want to talk through the updates to the expand record?
1: Uh, sure. So, uh, the expanded record view had a particular look and then sometime earlier this year, they changed it to be, um, a, I'd, I'd say a cleaner look, but it was missing some of the things that a lot of users found uh, made that particular view useful. So, it took away the icons that represented the type of each field, which was important because if, you know, a, a field might look like a number field, but it also might actually be a formula, meaning you can't edit it. And without that icon, it made it hard to tell. And there was a couple of different things that were uh, changed that weren't necessarily popular. And so Airtable has gone back and changed the expanded record view again. And now it's sort of a happy medium between the original look and the newer look. So. Things that have returned are the icons for the fields. There's now uh, borders around each um, field input, so that you could tell, you know, where you need to click. If it's a calculated field, it has a grayish background, so you know you can't edit it. Um, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah, I like that they removed the placeholder text too.
1: Yeah, there. Yeah, that was a that was another thing. Uh, the If if your field was empty, it added placeholder text telling you to type here, but sometimes you want a field to be empty. And so rather than imply that for everyone, they just took it away.
3: Yeah. And repeating that for lots of fields is madness. You don't want to tell a user 20 times to start typing here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
0: It it was kind of cool that they, they took the feedback, they listened, and they made Pretty much all the major uh issues that people had. So I think for the most part, people were very pleased with the with the updates that they made here based off of the initial uh reaction, which wasn't as pleasant. <clears throat> um so I'm sure there's room for improvement even still, but but definitely a huge, huge step forward. You can tell this one didn't get nearly as many comments as as the usual <laughs> one. So that's that's usually a good sign (laughs) so that's uh one of the big updates um that we've had for a few weeks and then after that uh about three weeks ago this actually came because they actually announced this at dare table that it was coming the week after um so resource allocation timeline views have you spent much time with this
2: not as much as i'd like to it's it's In my experience, it's really difficult to get a base to a point where I'm using it enough to have this
1: be useful, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I would describe it as enigmatic. There's a lot of stuff in this update that I really like. Um, So one of the things that this update does is that it allows you to represent one record in the timeline view multiple times. So the whole general idea behind this update was to allow you to do resource allocation. So saying this person is 50% overburdened or this person is you know, 100% at what their allotted time should be, that kind of general idea. Um, and like Ali is saying, you have to have your base set up in a particular way for it to have all those things line up. But there's a lot of hidden things in this update that I think should be uh, kept and then pushed to the other views like Gantt and, um, you know, a couple other views. So the showing one record multiple times is great. Um, there There's something to do with the, the, the summary bar, being able to color by the summary bar instead of so mm. the actual field record. That's a pretty big um, enhancement. That's they cute. also added, I think around the same time, It's not listed in the announcement but i think i put it pointed out in my uh my comment that you can now show a timeline view for for just one day as a smaller interval so you could show hours that wasn't a thing before and i had like five different people ask me to make a custom app just so that they could show the timeline view for a day so that's not the (laughs) that's not what this update was about but it came with a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of stuff and so uh I would encourage people to uh, play around with it. It seems very useful, but I just, I, it is hard to get your base in a way that works the way it wants you to for the resource allocation part. Exactly.
3: Yeah, for the utilization summary type, definitely. We we've we implemented this immediately because I had just spent a few weeks prior. Um, building my own version of this so that I would have a row of records which is a summary, and then below that I would show other records. And now I can remove all of that, which is nice. Um, but you can, if you're just doing like sums, you can just use that single number field and just color based on that, and that does a lot of the use cases. I didn't really need to add in all of the like holiday from other places and and fit their schema quite as much as their demo showed. And I've got a lot of use out of it, so I'm really pleased with with this one. So yeah.
2: Right. Absolutely, yeah. There's if you if you have you know a number like if you're like oh we don't want to have people working on more than five things a week or something like that then that's
0: exactly
3: yeah. You're
2: easy to put in place, no doubt. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think if if you rely on this, um, it's a huge update. So. If anybody has a really cool uh, sample of how you've integrated the new timeline view, we'd love to have you on and showcase it in a future uh, show. So hit us up if you're listening or watching this. <laughs> All right. So we'll do, yeah, at some point we'll, we'll, we'll kind of dig deeper into that one and showcase it. Um, here's another announcement that came out. Uh, while we we're away, Airtable attachments—I know this freaked out a lot of people. Allie, you know—are you familiar with what's going on here?
2: Uh, yeah, they, and I'm, I'm hopeful. I still have a lot of questions that I haven't taken the time to answer myself yet. Um, but in general, um, Airtable is moving away from a, the use case of, that a lot of people use it as of like storing attachments. Um, You can still store attachments in there, but the URL, the underlying URL to access that attachment will no longer be a static public URL that you could share with people and expect them to always be able to access that attachment. It's a security thing, and it also prevents you from being able to use Airtable as a a CDN. Is that the right terminology? Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people are freaked out, like um, I think, but um, my... Uh understanding is that if you use an app like softer or something, a third party um service to expose images, I'm pretty sure you're gonna be okay. Um but there are definitely some use cases that will be affected, mine included.
1: Really?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I have like a like a link, like I'll, you know, I'll use a actually no, I haven't figured this out. If you have a formula to um extract the url of a single attachment right if you have an attachment field you could write a formula to take that url out and then if you have a button say on in the stacker or something like that to open that attachment i'm wondering like would that every two hours would that url just change or
0: i don't my, know my understanding and i know kavan has dived deep into this and so might know better but um my understanding is uh, formulas return the internal will return an internal URL, mm-hmm. which means they'd have to be logged in to, to yeah. see that. Understood. Yeah. That makes sense. So that so that likely would impact yours unless I guess if it's within stacker, then yeah, they might not have a login to Airtable. Right. Uh, yeah.
2: I mean we could just show the attachment, but the, the better user experience, in my mind, is to have the button there because we don't always love how the attachment is rendered on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my rant's over now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think my reading of it is any service that routinely pulls data uh, from Airtable that it stays synced with Airtable over time is going to be fine. Um, mm-hmm. I have my the way I build all of my websites is I uh, add my attachments to an attachment field in Airtable. I download all of that data essentially as JSON and publish my websites as static HTML. So they are not polling Airtable at all. Um, I update my websites like once every six months, which is why I don't uh, need to constantly check Airtable for updates. And uh, if you do something like that, um, then you're gonna run into an issue because by then the URL that was pulled from JSON is going to have expired. At least that's my understanding of it, which yes. means I'll have to come up with a a different solution. Um, I, I like my general workflow. I think I'll just have to store my uh, images and things somewhere else, which is fine, but also it means I have to change stuff. So
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we're 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 thinking about it. We we've kind of put out there it onto air of, of if if there's enough demand, um, we we've got some ideas on some potential workarounds as as, as a product offering. So we might we might uh, we're exploring that now. We haven't committed to anything at this point, but um, there's there's some ways to to get around that. <clears throat> so yeah, so if you're dependent, but most people, if you're using any of these third-party tools like Ontaire, it doesn't impact any of our tools, um, but other ones that, that might rely on, on referencing images from inside of Airtable to be viewable externally, it might impact you. So be sure to, to, to read up on that and see how it impacts you and, and, uh, Yeah, because that's coming. So November 8th is the deadline for that. So we still got a few months. All right. Last one. (laughs) And we're going to dive deep into this, but uh, Interface Designer got some updates. Um, I know, Ali, you're going to walk us through these buttons and how they work. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else did they release in Interface this month? Calendar. Calendar.
2: That's pretty cool. Um, was there anything else at the button in the calendar? That was the, and
0: then the duplicating,
2: Oh, duplicating. I, yeah, I was, I was actually, that's the thing I was most excited about because I was getting so frustrated building these dashboards and like having to build every graph from scratch. I'm like,
3: ah, yeah, that drove me mad for quite some time. Yes. I, like, there's some of them I haven't touched for a while cause I know I have to go back and create a clone of them. So now I can actually duplicate it.
2: Right. And you can duplicate it to a new, um interface group too, which is, Mm -hmm. or to a different one rather. So that's, that's super helpful as well.
0: Yeah. Camille, looks like you had some thoughts.
1: Yeah. So the, the least impressive one uh, as part of this update was that you could put stuff on the right side of the page now. And that's the one I liked the most because it was one (laughs) of those things that was just so simple. Um, I had what I was doing was I had like a table element that had all of my line items for a, a you know the main record listed, and then underneath that I wanted to put the total, like you would find on an like an invoice sheet, and those are always aligned to the right. But I mm. had to, what I had to end up doing was put um, a divider element and stretch it all the way across, and then put my you know number element next to that, just so it would fit on the right-hand side of the page. And that's at the point where I was like, this is absurd. <laughs> so yeah. just just the little things. And um I was happy that that was part of the update because, you know, something big and important like adding the calendar element, like people need that. That's something everyone would agree that should be a feature. And then the little stuff, it just is happy. I'm I'm happy to see that they're not you know only thinking about the major sort of bits because if you ignore the little usability things then you could have all the features in the world but if it's still hard to use then you know people aren't going to use it so it was just nice to see that this update had a mix of you know very important major features and very important small tweaks and then there were some you know Along with the button element, Ali, I'm sure you were gonna talk about this as well, but there was also, if you had a button field um, represented in your interface, you could no longer add new ones. And that was very contentious because (laughs) um, button fields were already limited in that you can't open anything from the apps dashboard because there is no app dashboard in the interface designer. But now you can open up links anymore because you couldn't add new buttons and yada, yada, yada. So that's what the rest of this thread is basically discussing if you wanted to
0: open. They, it up. They, they said that wasn't a bug, right?
1: They're, yeah, they're going to fix it. So essentially what they my reading of it is eventually they want, you know, you had to have both functionality. uh the functionality you already had with button fields and interface designer, and also the new functionality that they added that um, Ali will be going over. Right.
2: Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I hadn't heard of that. That's funny. I just dragged a button field into an interface right before this call. So I was like, wait, what? Okay. Yeah, it, so yeah, it looks it was like a... they
0: fixed it. Okay. Cool. That, that did. Um, so, yeah. So, buttons are back. <laughs> But they can still only like open a URL, right? Right.
1: Yeah. In order to fix that, they would have to put in, they would have to load in the app's dashboard, which means you'd have to pull the entire base um, as opposed to just the information that's currently being requested. So I don't, you know, it's it's more of an undertaking than it sounds, (laughs) I, I, I can imagine.
0: But it is confusing now because now there's two different types of buttons there's the table buttons that are the field types and then there's the interface buttons i
1: i suggested that the functionality be merged together um yeah Yeah. i would like that to me it doesn't seem like there's any real reason why the new button elements what they do they let you you know fill in information for that current record that should also be a feature for a button field. There's no real reason why it should only exist in the interface versus looking at a regular base. I right. think it should just be one thing right. and call it a day.
2: Agreed. And and I get really frustrated there's, with the button field and in the interface, it's strange because there's like a size option that says you can set it to large, but it doesn't actually
1: do anything. I noticed that too. <laughs> I thought that was odd.
2: And I would love it to be big and large. Like if it looked, you know, like how you can do the same thing with the single select field and have the color. I would love that, but who knows? Maybe we'll get it someday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So cool stuff. So if you're confused on all the different buttons, we'll, we're going to dive deep into that later in the show and uh, Ali will showcase how the new buttons work and help clear things up there. So Lots of big, lots of big uh, announcements from Airtable. So they've been busy uh, in April and releasing a bunch of new stuff and uh, excited to see what, what may bring, see if they keep the ball rolling with, with new feature updates. So good stuff there. <laughs> All right, let's move on. That's uh, around the bases. A quick spotlight on OntoAir, our primary sponsor. OntoAir is an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that do a variety of different tasks that you need if you rely on Airtable in your business. Um, Today, I'm going to talk about two of our apps. I think think at the end of last season, I was saying that any day now, these two apps were going to show up in the marketplace. They are still not in the marketplace. (laughs) But. Now, when I say any day now, I think I really mean it. Any day now, these are coming. We're in final QA with um, Airtable and hoping that these get released. So I'm going to give a sneak peek of uh, these two apps. So first, I'm going to talk in this segment about OnTare Schemas. What OnTare Schema is, is a visual designer. If you're already used um, Airtable's schema app, this looks very familiar we take it up a notch. It's kind of the schema app on steroids to do just about everything that, that you would want. And there's some cool functionality that we actually added. The big thing, one of the reasons why it took longer to get um, into the marketplace is we really wanted to um, make sure that we supported large schemas. Um, Allie can appreciate this because I've seen one of her schemas and it is humongous. <laughs> Too big. And, um, and that was a use case. I said, I want to be able to make sure that we support a a, a base that has, um, hundreds of tables, no, not hundreds of tables, but many tables and many, many, many thousands of fields within the base. And, um, so I believe we've accomplished that. This one is a, is a much simpler one. Um, but, but it allows you to visualize and see everything you can actually set up, um, filters to to set up all the relationships. You can drill down and visualize just specific tables or specific field types or even specific fields within the tables and then set up the links of what you want to visualize um, and whatnot within there. So you can set up these filters um, and it will show everything. And then you can click on any of the Field types, And you can see all the information about the field type and everything is interrelinked. You can see the relationships, the ingoing relationships, as well as the outgoing and everything is hyperlinked. So you can jump between fields and see everything going on. Or you can use our, our field selector and see the entire list of every field in your base and quickly search and filter down and go to any specific one. Um, We also have some uh, and we keep track of everything that's going on. Then the cool thing is, is you can create snapshots of your schema. So as you're working on your base, you're making changes, you create snapshots, which is essentially a backup of the schema at that point of time. And then we show you how your fields or tables have changed over time. So you can see a history. This one's a new field, so it was just created. It hasn't been modified since it was created. Um, The other cool thing, this was a new thing that we added. You can see fields, which which views they're visible in. So it'll show you all the views in this table, and it'll be blanked out if this field is not visible within um, those views. So very useful to manage your base if you're the, the point of contact to stay on top of um, the the base structure and you want to make sure that you're on top of things and know where everything is, um, you need to check out Ontario Schema. So that, hopefully this week, we think that this will be the week that it launches in the marketplace. You can get it if you go to our website, you can get it. The difference is, is we can actually... Um, collect more information if you're running it inside of Airtable via an app. And um, so that's what we're waiting for. That's a much more usable. You can use it um, just through the web version, but because of the API limitations, we can't collect as much information. So that um, is coming soon to the marketplace, but you can check it out now on our website at ontoair.com. Good stuff there. All right. Now we're going to learn about our friend, Russ Bishop, with us today. Camille, why don't you let us find out about him?
1: Sure. Sure. Hi, Russell.
0: Hello. How are Uh, you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. Uh, So you've been using Airtable for a while. How did it
3: all begin? I have uh, probably maybe three, four years now. So one of the founders of um, Lighthouse, the um, UX UI agency I work for, uh, he used to be our lead developer, and uh, he demoed Airtable me once and said, I don't entirely understand what this does, but I think it will let us build whatever we want for ourselves, um, and therefore we should use it. And at the time, my opinion was, if a tool can build anything, it's probably not very good at building like sharp specific tools. It's probably like okay at loads of stuff. So I didn't pay much interest to it. Um, and only about six months after that, when I had to build our scheduling um, uh, somewhere, I decided to take another look at Airtable. And from that point, and you know the story, it's eaten up everything. Yep. Um, not only in my personal life, uh, but also again, Lighthouse a lot of our tooling, um, which is part of what I do. Um, is now moving into Airtable. So there's only a few other big fish in our our stack that um, that are yet to be eaten up by Airtable so far.
1: It seems pretty typical. I think we it all does, think isn't it? we've all had so, a stability. someone called
3: it a virus recently, which I thought was was actually quite a horrible but apt way of putting it. It is a virus. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it
1: is sort of a rite of passage of looking at Airtable and going nah. And then <laughs> some time passes and you're like, oh, wait, not only is this great, it's everything. Yeah, it is everything. So, so, plugging that <laughs> video we showed at the beginning uh, with Airtable sort of interviewing people at the Airtable conference, I think Chris Dancy said something almost exactly. Uh, like okay, that. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. That's probably where I had it. Uh,
1: so, so uh, like you said, Airtable is sort of a, a generalist software, you could build mm. a lot of things with it. What do you think has been your your I'm trying to think of the term, but like the one use case where you're like, oh, this is, you know, it's good at doing a lot of different things, but this is where I think it really shines.
3: Yeah, I guess probably the one that's the process that's the most advanced for us. So um we run all of our hiring um through Airtable. And when I started looking at um, kind of collecting applications all in one place, one of the things we really wanted to do was anonymize applications, so we could basically remove our, our bias in the hiring process by removing any kind of identifying information um, from people's applications. Um, once we had interfaces in there, that means that I can then just show to people in our team who are you know helping us out with the hiring process um, exactly the fields they should see and not the ones that um, we have basically an anonymizing team, not the ones that they've seen in previous steps. Um, so it basically gives me like a workflow. So there's two screens um, in Interface Designer, which are qualifying anonymizing team C. They can see the full application, um, redact information from it. They can find screenshots from a designer's portfolio, for example, remove names and again anything that might identify them, and then re upload it. Then that's marked as processed our team can view it we can run automations to invite them to an, an interview so it has so much power for us just in that kind of that snapshot of time um and yeah it probably involves the most different parties as well you know different departments putting their own hiring applications and stuff in there so so yeah that's a fun one um we we got um added into an article where we talked a little bit about that recently on on if you could jobs which is a really great job site oh. um yeah that was a fun one
1: that's pretty cool. So that is not a use case that I had necessarily heard before. So something that we lament about <laughs> interface designer as it is, you know, as it presents today is that you can at any time go to the top left and say, go to the base. But from a user standpoint, mm. how often are people going to do that? It's still a security risk, sure. But yeah. Like, but from your perspective, if you're just you're in your day to day, and you've just sort of trained people, hey, just look at this page and click left or right to advance to the next record. Well, then you're you're solving the problem.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and also from their perspective, what would the point be essentially like they wouldn't gain anything from from going to find out an applicant's name, you know? Um, So yeah, I suppose it's like it's a it's an inconvenience, or an imperfection maybe on, on what it could be. But that that you know, sharing um, interfaces without showing the base—that can't be too far away. I'm hoping. Um, I
1: I think they've mentioned it as something that they're at that they're working on. Because mm, uh, they're
3: doing a whole sharing revamp, aren't they? As far as I can tell.
1: Yeah. One of these days, well, <laughs> one of these days it'll happen. But so you've been using Airtable for a few years. Interface designer is fairly new. Um, and you've already sort of implemented it uh, for you, and not just you, but your team as well. Um, yeah. Has your team had you know, the same sort of familiarity with Airtable in the past few years, or has it been one of those aha moments, like, oh, now that Interface Designer's a thing, I can introduce my team to Airtable without showing them this, what could be a really complicated base.
3: Yeah, I guess the the best examples of that now are when people in the team are building their own interfaces. That to me is where I can kind of step back and say, excellent. I've had very little part to play in you adopting this, and now you're getting loads of value from it that I don't need to. Um, I don't need to help with. So, in the past, I would get like a sketch from someone, and they're like, I think this is the data I want to see, and can you put this together? Um, and the most recent one I had of that from our um, client services team, I was like, great. You don't need me for any of that. You can put exactly what you just put together in an interface, and they did it in a couple of weeks with very little help from me. Um, so yeah, that that to me is the real advantage. Like, you know, obviously everyone in our organisation they're quite technical, um, but they don't want to hop into the grid view of Airtable, and I you yeah. know I don't really blame them. Right, like there's a lot of noise in Airtable for when you actually just want to focus on a few things. Um, so yeah, the less of that, the more adoption we'll get. I think.
1: Yeah. And I would agree that that's sort of a, that is a strength uh, that Airtable has. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, other systems let you build like the most complicated user interface that you that you can. Like like Bubble, for instance. I talk a lot yeah. of smack about yeah, Bubble, yeah. but <laughs> I, I think it would be difficult for someone to come in and make uh, their own page when you have one person on your team who's sort of the expert. It's it's yeah. great to hear that you have a team and they uh, you know, got their feet wet a little bit and now we're at a stage where they could just make the quick little edits they need to make to an interface page, just so that they could see what they need to see to do their work. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, it's it's that like quick dashboard that's personalized to them is seems to be the sweet spot at the moment. Cool.
1: So what, well, we have already said it's sort of infected everything and you're using it <laughs> for uh, just about anything you could. Right? Mm. Name one thing that you can't use it for quite yet.
3: That's definitely a harder question, Camille. That's what I'm here uh, for. I guess I'm not planning there's nothing else that I plan outside of Airtable. I mean I'm planning my wedding this year, that's in Airtable, obviously.
1: <gasps> Allie, do you have any tips? I have <laughs> for you
2: if you need any. I did that last Excellent. year. Yeah.
3: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I've been sending automated emails to guests, that's fun for them. That's awesome. Uh, uh, I can't think of... um... Oh, actually, yeah, for sure, I do actually. Uh, We still hop into spreadsheets for when we need to just draft something. So before I understand the structure of something, it's easier for me to plan something out, you know, spatially, I suppose. Um, in a spreadsheet. And then once we go, yep, yeah, now I know that's the shape of it, then throw that away and we can move it into Airtable. Like at the moment, we're looking at how we um, forecast our resourcing. Um, and it's easier before I understand the structure and what data we need just to go spreadsheet, multiply this thing. Cool, that looks good. Um, and we'll put that into Airtable. So I guess that part of a, of a new project um, works well outside of Airtable.
1: All right. Makes sense to me.
0: And I I was going to say, Russ, was it you that, being a UX designer, I've seen you post some like wish list designs of of what you
3: wish would change on the UI side. That was you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, i I rebuilt some of the UI in Figma uh, over a weekend so that I could demonstrate what what changes I wanted made. I've got a few of those in draft that I think I'll throw out soon. Yeah. Maybe maybe the interface sharing stuff needs to be exposed. (laughs)
1: I actually think I might want to start doing that. I uh, I have I'm,
3: Sorry, go.
1: I was gonna say I built I built an app and then I was like, this should just be a feature. This shouldn't be <laughs> this shouldn't be an app. So I kind of want to yeah. do what you've done. But that's really cool. I think Airtable has released their full library of icons on Figma so that people can do it hey. and it looks I think I don't know, or at least yeah, there's yeah. a lot of Airtable-like icons on Figma. I should say, I guess. right, right. Okay. So I'll have
3: to look into that. That could be a time save. Yeah, I mean, my, my point with that with that actually was to try and open source it so that people could just grab that and then you know um, show to the Figma designers the work you wish they'd do. <laughs> uh, we need to get
0: we need to get those uh, in front of the right people to <clears throat> influence some decisions over there. Exactly. <laughs>
3: Very so,
1: cool. do you want to show us something that you absolutely
0: to
3: yes? We've actually hinted at it a few times today, which me, is good. Yeah. Uh, hold on, just one second.
0: Let me May get us be. moved over there. So, yeah, go to our automate create segment. Then I'm going to share your screen. Okay, go for it.
3: Cool. Uh, great. So I am going to introduce you to something I'm calling automated summary tables. Uh, which is a no script automation method for summarizing data. So we've actually been talking about this uh, a couple of times so far, specifically on the utilization um, side of things um, in the timeline view. So what is a summary? So summaries are a result of grouping records in a grid timeline or chart. Um, So you see here in the top right, we've got a grid view um, grouped by a few linked records. And we have these very helpful sums, so total um, amount spent or total duration used. Um, we also get that information when we create a chart. And again, you do the same thing. X-axis becomes one of those groups. Um, Y-axis is another group by client, and you're producing the same numbers. Um, and as we've just kind of discussed, that that summary bar um, that we've now got in, in a few views in Airtable does exactly the same thing. So you might show your utilization as a percentage or hours per week. Um, But that data is only accessible in those views. What that means is that you can't compare those numbers in any way, you can't find the average of the sums you've grouped by, you can't trigger an automation based on those views if they get above a certain threshold, you can't put them in a PDF in Page Designer um, and you can't send that data to someone in an email or Slack message, right? Because that number basically doesn't exist, it's not stored anywhere. Um, and there's no native functionality for doing that at the moment, which is where your, your automations come in. Um, people talk about this a lot, as with lots of you know highly requested features and, and kind of gaps in the Airtable's functionality. Um, there are lots of topics on the community forums where people are talking about similar stuff to this, talking about how to copy values from a formula and automatically link to that um, link to that in a separate table. Um, how do I copy the value from a summary bar? Is you know it's exactly this this kind of um, this kind of question we're looking at, mm-hmm. uh, and a few more here and, and some different use cases. So some people are talking about they're working in public services. They want survey results to be grouped and, and linked to um, event management, sales reports. Obviously, there's lots of you know summing <laughs> currencies that needs to happen. So there's lots of use cases for it. Um, the solution that you see a lot, uh, which is what I had been using. Um, for at least the last six, nine months for this is doing a batch script. Um, and basically, so just an example here of, of Justin Barrett's a very helpful script. Um, essentially what this does is says, um, for the thing you want me to link to, look in the table you want me to create it in. Does it exist? If it does, link to it. And if it doesn't exist, create a new one and link to that. Um, so that I've recently been educated that that is called an upsert. So you're either updating something or inserting, depending on whether it exists or not. Um, and that automation um, works pretty well. So it's one automation that can do a whole table, which is really good. Um, and it's all in Airtable. You don't have to use a, a third-party service like Zapier or anything like that to, to run that for you. Um, but some of the issues I found with that is is creating duplicates. So if two of these run at the same time, Um, One of the first one might think that that thing doesn't exist and creates it. The second one finds it, or you you end up with basically two identical summaries, which you shouldn't have, um, because you want all of those, you know, all of the kind of child's going to the parents to all be going to the the right parent, basically. Um, It's also not the whole picture. So you need validation for if there are changes made to that data later on, you need to unlink and relink to another another summary. Um, And it's also rewriting, that Upsert functionality I mentioned, that actually Airtable does have, um, there's just a small key to to writing your automation that that lets you use that. So um, I'll do a quick uh, demo in the slides here of how you can put this together yourself. Um, So the the, um, demo base I'm putting together here um, is to generate invoices for clients. So the data here is that we have um, on each date, for each client, you've done a certain number of hours of work that works out how much the client owes and, and adds in an amount here. Um, and of course an invoice is just grouping by client and month, right? So each client gets an invoice per month. So when you merge those two things, that's our, our summary. Um, so the first thing we do is we create our um, invoices table. And mm-hmm. the most important thing you can do here, this is the, the crux of the whole technique is to not use a formula field for the name of that table. Um, now, that is an odd one because almost always um, when you're doing this kind of thing, you use a nice formula that says it's this client name plus this month, and you have an automatically nicely generated name for that summary. Um, but if you do that and you're not using a text field, you actually disable Airtable's ability to do this upset. So um, if you have a single um, single line text field for your primary field, it allows you to just create a field based on some text. Which is what we want to do in the next step. So, so that's the first thing to, to keep in mind. And there is a visual demonstration of a single line text program field. Um, and then what you need to do is create a field. So I'm in the time log table here, where I'm going to say uh, in a formula, if you have a client and you have a month, um, spit out the string which is client space month. So that's our name of what we should be linking to. Um, in the invoices table. And you can see that written out here. Um, and of course, if there isn't a client yet or isn't a month, it will just be blank. So then we wanna create uh, an automation for that. Um, we're gonna do it on update. Um, so that's what our, our set of um, automations will be running on here. And in a conditional group, you'll say, um, if the invoice to link to, which is that formula we just created, if that's not empty, um, and it isn't already linked to an invoice, so invoice ID is empty, um, and we're going to add in some steps. Um, the first one here is to create a record. Uh, oh, sorry, actually, no, it's not, it's update record. So um, on the time log that you're updating, link the invoice to invoice to link to. So this is actually just the string. And then Airtable at this point will go, if this doesn't exist, I'll create it. And if it does exist, I'll link to it. So it's kind of hacking this little update record field here. Um, And then the second part is to um, create a separate update record, which is now referring to the invoice ID from the previous step. So now that we're linked to it, we can just use that ID, whether it's new or whether we've just created it. Um, And then we'll configure that invoice to link to the client and to the month. So basically setting up that new record to say, I am for this client and for this month. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that running um, on all of your time logs, um, they will now automatically start linking to the correct client months, which produces an invoice for each of them. And you can add on your handy fields at the end, which sums up um, all the currency and a number of time logs in there too. Um, the only ad- additional steps are just to figure out how you unlink. And basically, unlinking is just a separate formula um, that says, is the invoice you want, you want me to link to matching the invoice I am linked to? Because of course, the one you want to link to is always kept up to date when you change the month and client. If it isn't, run an automation that just clears out the invoice field. Um, and if you figure that out, it will then just run back to the first one and create a new um, summary or, or link to the summary that it should be linked to. So that kind of creates this loop of of linking and unlinking, um, which keeps it all up to date. Um, to finish, I'll just show you a quick demo of that base working. Um, And I've added in some handy fields here, which will show us what automations are running. So you can kind of see it in action without needing the automations thing open. Uh, So this time log here, will grab our client alumni sciences, um, which now populates invoice to link to. So it's running an update on it. And then it's generated the correct invoice here. I'll just do that for a few others. So adding some other clients. I've already got the month um, added in here as well. So you can see this one's just linked to the invoice. Invoice is in there too. And update and run. And then if I change a client, so of course, like once this data exists, someone might come in later on and go, oh, I don't need that field anymore, but I am gonna create some data for this other client. Need to make sure that that's um, not then gonna be linking to the wrong one. So again, unlink invoice gets triggered. It removes the original link and runs back through Matches the client and the month, and then populates the invoice. That's and those awesome. are your automated summary tables. Does very, it very.
0: Uh, does it work if you have multiple links, or is it only for a single
3: select? Those are for single linked records. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So
2: this is very similar to something I had I set up like way before automations were even a thing. I would have I had a Zapier automation, and it was. I wanted to trigger multiple emails to be sent on, like, the first day of every month. And so I would have a roll-up field that had a bunch of unique values, and it would take that roll-up field and paste it into a linked record field. And then that would create multiple records to trigger multiple zaps. So this is super, super awesome. This is so clean. Like, bravo, this is awesome.
3: Sorry. Thank you. It saved me so much time. And since since I'm implementing it, I've had zero duplicates, which used to drive me completely mad because wow. I run several summary tables, um, you know, splitting data in different ways. Sometimes with like three levels of grouping, um, okay. but now I don't have duplicates anymore, which is a, a beautiful piece of mind. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And thank you for preparing that presentation. That's very useful. Hopefully those watching uh, see the value in that and step through. I know I've got the link to the presentation. Are you okay if we share that with the community?
3: Yeah. I'll also um, send out the base as well so people can have yeah. a look around.
0: That'd be awesome. I that's think a cool. lot of people will find value there.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. That was very, very well done. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. <laughs> How'd do you like it? Good stuff there. <clears throat> all right, let me bring us back. So that was our automate create segment with Russell going through um, automated summary tables. Definitely worth checking out and going through step by step with what he did. One quick more plug for ontoair uh, primary sponsor all one toolkits. To run your business on Airtable. Um, The second app that I talked about is our backup apps, not quite as visually appealing as our schema apps, but very functional. This basically allows you to back up all your data from Airtable into your um, backup solution of choice. We support Google Drive, Box and Dropbox, and it'll essentially run on on a defined schedule and make sure that all your data is backed up. Both your data as well as your attachment files will be saved into um, your destination. And then once it's up and running, you can always come and see the history log and see how many um, tables are backed up, how many records across all the tables, as well as how many attachments. And every time there's new attachments that get pushed, it will let you know how many new ones are in each entry, log entry. So Useful that similar to schemas will be in the in the marketplace. Um, but this one actually runs pretty similar if you if you check it out in our website. So on dot com slash backups will get you all the details on that application. OK, we got one more segment for you today. Ali's going to walk us through new interface buttons. Yay. There you go. <laughs>
2: All right, excellent. So I've got here an example CRM that I just threw together. Um, One thing I want to say, I really want them to be able to, I want to disable showing the name of the attachment under something, because it just looks silly. Um, Anyways, so um, a couple episodes, like uh, during last season, one episode, I demoed this way to add a new record a new linked record while looking at um, a record in an interface. So I had this kind of um, setup happening where you could drop down, um, set this to add interaction. And I have an automation that is on that will um, add a new row here and then clear this field out. Um, But the new button field makes this much cleaner and we can demo that very quickly. So I'm going to go into, if you're trying to find the button field, you're not going to find it if you're in one of the um, like sub elements here for like this record list or if you have a record picker, um, you're probably not going to find the button anywhere in this list. You have to go back up to all elements and then scroll down to the bottom and here's our lovely button option. And so I can now actually replace this drop down with this button. And the way that the button works is, or if, if I had a record picker, then I could actually pick that option from this list too. So any other linked records that you're referencing on your interface um, will be listed here. Um, so I'm gonna choose people, cause that's the only thing I have as an option, of course. And I'm gonna choose a field to update. So I'm gonna choose my field actions and I wanna uh, set it to add interaction, just like um, I would if I were actually using that dropdown instead. Now this move to next record option, I'm gonna demo quickly after this, Um, but for now, let's just use this. I'm gonna actually put in a little fun um, emoji, say add interaction. Actually, let's make that blue. Now I can delete my button, I mean my single select. And when I click the button now, give it a second and there we go, I have a new row. So just a much cleaner way of running that little hack of an automation that I demoed a while back. Um, One use case for the button. Um, As well as the button, we have a new calendar And let's actually drop that in for our interactions table. So we can see what that looks like. Um, Very similar to the calendar that you see in the base, but now we can actually drop that onto an interface and apply our filters to it. Um, Bunch of fun stuff. Um, This is a new option too, the set for all visits. I haven't really found that it's doing much, but I'm hopeful that uh, it will actually be nice because one thing I've found is when I'm uh, clicking between records, I want this to update to go with the record, but it, it doesn't usually, so
1: we'll see. Um, yeah, so what the calendar element lets you do, it, it you're focusing on something. Either it's, uh, you know, whichever record, Represented on the calendar is closest to 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 today, which is the default. Right. Um, you could focus it always on today, so it will always open on May the third. Or um, you could pick a specific day. If you know it doesn't matter which records you're you're filtering through, if you always want to start on January first, you can set that to be the thing.
2: Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's super helpful as well. Um. Then I have one more use case, which is all, this is all very fake data, but um, let's just pretend that like I'm an accountant and I need to reconcile all of this money. Um, And as I'm going through each month or week or whatever that might be, um, I can actually set up buttons. Let's do that, go to all elements. And let's say I'm gonna set up a few here, or just two, I guess. And I want one to set my status field to reconciled. And let's make this green now I am going to actually toggle on this move to next record um, because this would be really helpful if you're somebody that's going through like a checklist. And let's make this one say our status is need audit. And again, I'm going to check this move to next record. And- Make these smaller because why not? There. So now, as I'm going through, you can notice I clicked the button for reconciled, it set the status, and then it jumped me to the next record down here. So I could say, Nope, that needs an audit. And as I'm going through, I can just start, you know, checking everything off the list. Which this I find very helpful. It's pretty cool.
3: That's awesome. That's very cool. Uh, Especially if you have a flow where the point is to just clear it off and it would disappear from the filters on the left, right? Um, And you get that inbox zero fun once you get to the end. (laughs)
2: Exactly. I like that. Definitely. There's the one thing I have found with that is it can be it happens so fast that it's a little confusing I think to the user like if it completely disappears then it's like oh wait like well, I didn't mean to click that button I want to get it back now but other than that then I find it super super helpful
0: yeah it doesn't have that feature when you're in the grid where if you remove it from the view it's still kind of there yeah loading
2: <laughs> yeah because I mean I can barely tell that I'm hopping from one to the next right unless yeah. I'm hopping- unless you have something super different to show. Yeah, if,
1: if your data is similar between one record and another, like if the next record was also $620 expended, it, you know, <laughs> you you have to train your eye to right. watch these things. So yeah, but that I think that is, is definitely super useful. Um, Absolutely. Uh, going through records very quickly. And I don't think it's, I don't remember anyone asking for that feature it was (laughs) i think it was something that like someone on their use case team or something was like we should make it easy to do blank and then they just did it
2: yeah Yeah. and i'm glad for that too because i have an actually a a use case that it works perfectly with and yeah
1: just your example it reminded me of a, a client i built a app for and they rent things out and they are Uh, customers bring the stuff back in. And sometimes they return all the items they rented and sometimes they don't, but whoever's putting it back in the warehouse has to say which ones are here and which ones are missing. So I could totally see them building an interfacing, right? Pick a receipt for a rental thing and say, yep, this is here. This is here. This is here. This is not, this is here. This is here yet. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And what's the, um, you can update up to five different fields, right? With a button. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, one thing I tried to do right before this call, cause I was like, ooh, I wonder if this is possible. Like, you know how you can access the current user for a collaborator field and a lot mm-hmm. of things? I was like, ooh, what if you could have like a claim this record button to like mm. set, but you can't, it doesn't yeah. let you, it doesn't have current user as an option. So,
1: that seems silly. <laughs> We'd I have know. been.
3: Yeah, that would be cool.
1: <laughs> it would be. Uh, yeah, I hope they add that. That sounds like it'd be super nice. Is, um,
0: there, um, is there dynamic where you can set it to like the value of another field?
2: No, but that no. would be yeah. really cool.
0: I think that's the missing
1: piece. Once they yeah. sort of universalize <laughs> dynamic variables, right now they're really only reliably available in automations. Yeah. Um, once they're available elsewhere, that would be pretty useful for a lot of different use cases. And something that right now with this button element lets you do an interfaces uh, circumvent having to rely on automations. So if you have a very simple use case for updating a record, um, you don't need to have that count against your automation runs. So there's not a whole lot you can do with it necessarily, but you can avoid (laughs) using automations for the little stuff.
2: Right. There's, I just looked, the button that like me clicking the button to affect the status does Count me as the person that's modifying the field, yeah, not an automation. So you could use that maybe. But, oh, that's interesting. But so you can't lock mod- it, of it yeah. yeah, but then it's like you'd have to set like what, who's blah, blah, blah I Can't talk. There's nothing to stop somebody else from clicking it again. Like you can't like shut the button off.
1: Oh, there's mm. no disabled
0: condition. Disabled. Okay. Right, right, mm. but that that's so you could use the last modified by yeah. feature, and then copy that into the
1: yeah so use. if the button element is changing the value of like a checkbox field for is claimed and you click click the button and it marks this checked then your last modified by field could say who was the last person to check that box mm-hmm. but you're saying ally someone else could just open it up in uh an interface designer and say, no, I want to claim it. Yeah. And now it's, it will still mark it as checked, but does that count as a change? Well, you could maybe, if
2: you, maybe you run an automation based on the box being checked and then the automation can check if
1: it's already claimed. Well, I'm, I'm actually very curious about this now because from my (laughs) understanding of the button element, it's saying it's not toggling the checkbox field. It's saying set this value as true. Mm Mm-hmm. So if the value yeah, is already true, does Airtable yeah. say mark it true again? That doesn't make sense. So no. I'm wondering
3: In which case it wouldn't be modified. So the second right. person wouldn't get this So yeah. that's
1: my un- problem. Hmm. Love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious now. <laughs>
0: yeah. We're
2: all gonna go build this now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: uh that's awesome that's good stuff I, you can definitely see the the power of workflow automation and just streamlining uh you know workflow processes with with that feature so thank you ali for sharing that and russ thank you for your demo that was awesome stuff Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing with us and thank camille and ali good to see you guys again now i feel like i know you personally and uh we'll continue on with season 11 and until then we'd love to see what you guys all build on air and we'd love to have you on and and showcase what you've built see you next week Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, Ontario.com. And we will see you next time on the Built Time Air podcast.